Welcome, Jeremiah, to the World XP Podcast. This is episode number 19. Uh, we were just talking beforehand. You, uh, you had an experience recently where you were an extra on The Walking Dead. So yes. that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, it's been forever since, since I've seen you. I think middle school, all the way back in what, probably 12 years ago now, 12, 13 years ago. But how did you end up on The Walking Dead? Because that's a big jump to go from you know, middle school PE class. And next thing I hear, you're, you're running around with, with Glenn and all those guys <laughs> on, on The Walking Dead. How'd that happen? I mean, that would have been cool, but it didn't happen. Uh, it was interesting. I was, um, it was last year around the summertime and uh, I was pursuing acting like I normally do, you know, going through the acting gig and stuff like that. I didn't actually find it online. My, my aunt found it and uh, she, I think she was going into a, I want to say a grocery store or maybe somewhere, but she saw a flyer mm -hmm. and it had the information and they were like email with this, this, and this, and this. And she sent me that. So I followed the email and sent them an email with all my information and uh, they got back to me and they were like, Hey, yeah, we want you to be on it. And I was there for, I think seven months. So I was going to set like on and off for like the past, like six or seven months from like July to like, I want to say October. So that's was, a while. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that, it was, it was interesting. It was very interesting how it happened because I didn't see it on any of the things that I was looking for. My aunt found it and was like, Hey, try this out. So I did. Well, there you go. So you got to just pursue those things sometimes. What was the yeah. set like when, when you were there? Because obviously you've, you've seen the show before, or at least an episode or two. I think even myself, I don't follow it religiously, but I've seen episodes here and there. What was it like for you to kind of be on set with those guys that you'd seen on TV before and, and been maybe looked up to in, in the past and now you're kind of working with them? Maybe not from as closely as you would like, but you're still there and to interact with the camera crew and the makeup artists and all that. But no, for The Walking Dead, it's crazy. They make people look like like zombies, obviously. That's some crazy makeup. What was it like for you to kind of interact with all those people and, and be around that sort of level, uh, that level of, I don't want to say fame, but like of production, I guess. Because it's, it's, it's a pretty big production that they got going on. What was it like for you? It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was like overwhelming or anything. I was pretty comfortable but it was, it was huge. I mean, like the, some of the scenes that, like you said, you haven't watched it, but like just, just knowing some of the scenes with the zombies and, you know, the effects that they have, um, the way they did it in that show, it was pretty real, you know, um, it was pretty real. And the people that um, were playing those zombie roles, man, they were, they looked pretty legit. It wasn't anything like fancy anything. It was like syrup or some sort of jelly, but you go up to them and you start talking to them. They're like, Hey, Oh, Hey Tim, how you doing? So <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, working with some of the like main actors, of course, we weren't working that close or anything like that, but um, it was pretty cool. One of the guys, one of the lead actors, Nico Tortorella, I recognized him from another show and uh, he was walking past me on the stairs, I think. And I was like, Hey, are you the guy from, it's called the following with Kevin Bacon. And mm -hmm. I love that show. It was a great show. And I was like, Oh, you the guy from the following. And I was like, I love your work. You know, da, 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 da. he was in a rush. So I let him go. He's like, appreciate it. Thank you. And I told myself, like, if I, if I get another chance to talk to them, right, just to ask a question because they're busy, they're working. I don't want to, you know, cause an inconvenience to him. Sure. I was like, if I get another chance where he's, you know, taking a break or something, I'm going to go up to him and ask him a question. So we were on the, he was on the stairs again, sitting down. And I was like, right, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm just going to ask him a question, just one question, just to see. All right. So I went up to him. I sat down. I was like, hey, I don't want to, you know, take up your time. I know you're busy, but, you know, if I wanted to become an actor like you, what would I, you know, what would I do? And uh, the filming took place in Virginia. So it was in Richmond. 
And he asked me where I was living at the time. And I was like, well, I was in Northern Virginia. That's where I lived. And he was like, you need to move. I was like, oh, okay. It was the cliche answer, but I was like, oh, where should I go? And he's like, uh, you need to go to New York or LA. I was like, okay, not Vegas. Cause I have family in Vegas. My original plan, and I already did it, was to move to Vegas and use my family to kind of like bounce around and do my acting things. I was like, what about Vegas? He's like, no, not Vegas, New York or LA. And uh, I was going to ask him a second question, but I was like, you know what? He's busy. I'm just going to, hey, you know what? Appreciate it. And I went back up the stairs and uh, it was cool. Actually, for the rest of the time I was there, he recognized me. He was like, hey, buddy. Every time he saw me, hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? You know, it was cool. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I wouldn't say it was overwhelming or anything like that. I've been on set before, but it was very professional. Very, very professional. Good to hear. Well, I... I... I know you took his advice and you are now in LA. Um, so what was that, that obviously Northern Virginia is kind of his own little bubble world, but going from there to LA, and I know you moved around a lot when, when you were little, but um, what's it like, what's it like out there from the standpoint of you're pursuing acting gigs and, and different things are, how do you go about kind of doing that? And what about LA and New York sort of make the difference there for, for somebody who's aspiring to be an actor? Um, well, one, it's the uh, plethora of opportunities, even though COVID's happening and you know all that stuff, there are still more opportunities here in LA versus where I was at or you know Las Vegas, any other place that really compares to LA, they have lower opportunities. So my thought process was, I wanted to get to LA because I wanted to submit as many things as I can. So that way, you know, if I'm submitting for 50 different things and at least one of them sticks, that's all I need. I just need one. Mm -hmm. right? So if I can increase my opportunity to do what I need to do, that's where I wanted to go. So that's why I was pushing towards, um, towards LA, but yeah, it's a different feeling for me. I enjoy just like driving into the city, especially at nighttime, you see the lights and it's like, for me, at least I get a, a very genuine joy of feel i'm just like wow i'm here this is the lion's den right it's not gonna be easy just to pop in and be like all right i'm an actor now right mm -hmm. but i'm here i'm ready to fight i'm ready to you know grind my way to the top whatever i have to do and every time i enter the city it's like i feel i just feel good i feel really really good you know what i'm saying so yeah definitely so you're you're a city guy then you like it yeah like yeah it i mean it's it's not even that because like I don't think I would have the same feeling in New York because New York is more like theater based and I want to be more film. I've talked to a bunch of people about, you know, how important is theater versus film and mm -hmm. going into film and everything like that. But LA itself, it's like, this is where I can make my dreams come true. And that's why I get that feeling. I don't think I would get that feeling if I go to like Little Rock, Arkansas <laughs> or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I mean, it's a city or St. Louis, you know, it's a great city, but I don't think I'd be able to do what I want there. So I wouldn't get the same feeling. But LA is like, this is where I can make it happen. So that's why I get that feeling. <laughs> For sure. So what got you? So obviously we, we know you were on The Walking Dead. And so what got you into that in, in the first place? Like, were you, was it a spark that kind of like one day you were like, you know what, I want to be an actor. Or was it something that you've been pursuing for a while? Or cause I know we were talking before about the move to, to LA and especially acting is not really a stable, stable for income wise. So must have been preparing for some time before you went out there. So kind of what, how did you come to the conclusion that that was, that this is what you wanted to be doing? Um, I think it was in 2015. I don't know exactly when, but in 2015, my dad lived in LA. So mm -hmm. he lives in Vegas now, but he lived in LA. I went to visit for a summer. 
I was there for six weeks and I did a couple of acting things. It wasn't anything big, just like a couple of extras and some short films and stuff like that. But it was a lot of fun. The people you meet, you know, the, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And you, that pa- is passion, that genuine joy, that genuine feeling of, wow, this is really fun. And I want to do this forever. I decided that this was the thing that I could do for free 24 seven. I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. If all my necessities were taken care of and I didn't have to worry about pain, I would do it for free forever because mm-hmm. it's that enjoyable to me. So in 2015, I was still in college. I was pursuing a degree in information technology and uh, it's a practical way to go. I was like, I like computers, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's cool and stuff like that. I want to know how they work and everything like that. So I was t- 2015, I decided I'm gonna finish my degree, got out of school. And then I went to work for the government for a couple of years, like two, two and a half years. And then January, in January of this year, um, I was dating someone and she broke up with me. So I was like, okay, well, my contract, I was a contractor. My contractor, my contract ends in September. So what I'm going to do from here on out is just save as much money as I can so I can make that move. You know, mm-hmm. there's no point in waiting anymore. You know, there's no point in like just staying there. Cause the only reason I was there is, was for her. And you know, there's nothing bad against her. We had a great time and stuff like that. She's a great person. We're so good friends, but I had a different goal that I wanted to achieve. Sure. When it happened, I was like, all right, this is my this is my sign or whatever. I'm just going to save as much money as I can. I don't have anything holding me back. I'm going to go once I get towards the end of, you know, September, once the end of my contract. So my contract mm-hmm. ended and I saved a good amount of money and then mm-hmm. I moved out here and um, I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm living with my sister. I don't have to pay rent and uh, I'm using um, YouTube because I've actually been building YouTube for the past two and a half years as well. I've been using the YouTube income that I get to sustain myself for a while. Mm-hmm. just to mitigate as much expenses as I have for the month and stuff like that. So um, as long as I can stretch that out, I can do this for quite some time before I actually have to find another job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, yeah. So, I mean, acting came out of nowhere. It was just a lot of fun. I started doing it. And then this year is when I decided I was going to make a move to pursue it. That's awesome. So when you're when you're kind of pursuing different roles or, or whatever, how does that sort of work? Because you know, in the regular job market, you go on Indeed or LinkedIn or whatever, and there's job postings and the requirements are you need four years of experience doing this and this degree and right. and X number of skills. So obviously, that's not that wouldn't be the same for for an acting gig. So how how does that kind of work? How do you go find roles that you think that you would like and then what are sort of the requirements and then how do you actually apply or I guess want to get to the audition for, for those? Cause I assume the audition is kind of like the interview. Yeah. Like once you're there. Yeah, it is. Um, so I go on, let's say backstage backstage is my number one source for finding acting gigs. And is that a website? Um, yeah, it's a website backstage.com. Mm, okay. And um, you know, you put in your, your, for your preferred age range, like what I think I could play. So I do from like 16 to like, 25 you know because if I, I i still look pretty like i have a baby face people are like you don't even look a day older 20 they think my younger <laughs> sister's older than me and i'm like come on guys give me the adult menu please no but um so what i do is um so 16 to 25 i filter out the age range and then i filter down based on what i want to do so any film any type of film stuff all the boxes for film uh voiceover stuff i, I, don't, I don't mind doing voiceover stuff and I believe like commercials and modeling or whatever I can get. Then they, they give you the results. And this is why I went to LA because the results were just a lot. I mean, you get more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then I read descriptions of every 
um, thing that pops up. And if it applies to me, oh, this guy's, his age range is from 18 to 27 and he's having a hard time or maybe he's a goofy character. I feel like as long as it's in that age range, I can play whatever the description is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, as long as it filters into that, uh, that age range and whatever I'm looking for, I will apply for it. There is no limit for me on what character I can play. Cause I feel like I can do anything. It's not egotistical. It's not like, Oh, I'm the best already, but it's like, I don't want to limit myself to, Oh, I can only do action films. Yeah. Oh, I can only do martial arts films. Cause I know martial arts. I want to do, you know, I can rom, rom-com. I'll do a rom-com. Sure. You know, I'll mm-hmm. be the goofy guy. Or if I have to deal with, you know, a very sad character, you know, a very depressed character, you know, I feel like, um, everybody goes through different ranges of emotions throughout their life and sure. as an actor, that allows me or, you know, other actors to get into that mindset of, Oh, this character's that way. And that character's that way. So I don't live myself. So, well, also you're not really at a point where you can be picky yet. Are you? Yeah. So I'm going for anything. <laughs> I'm going for pretty much anything. I try to avoid extra work right now though. So I'm only mm-hmm. trying to get speaking roles because I want to build my real uh, my acting reel, which is a compilation of like my parts that I've done mm-hmm. and then pitch it to people like, Hey, I can act. I'm, I'm decent at it. Mm-hmm. Would you like to represent me? So that way I can get better opportunities and stuff like that. So, so that'd be kind of for the, the agent side of things rather than yeah, the agents, the agency, the people that have connections within the industry. That's really what um, I want to strive towards. So, mm-hmm. so what kind of opportunities are there for somebody like you to get speaking roles? Cause you say like, oh, the next Marvel movie is coming out. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not going to be you. No offense. Yeah. Um, so like, what kind of opportunities are there for somebody like you, like yourself aspiring to become an actor? What sort of opportunities are there for, for that? Um, as long as it's on somewhere where you can access it without an agent, you can apply for it. You're not, you might not get it. You know, there's going to be mm-hmm. hundreds of other people applying for that role. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing stopping you from trying. Like uh, I've seen tons of uh, feature films on backstage and these are like major movies, you know, and I applied for them, but there's, there's nothing stopping you from getting that role. And you don't know. They just be like, Oh, wow. I like that. I like the way he looks. Oh, oh, I like that part in the real where he did that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's call him. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the audition process, if they like you, right. They'll, they'll contact you. Right. They'll be like, Hey, we want you to read this part now. Scene five from, you know, page one to two, right. Mm-hmm. Read it, do the best you can. And then send it back. If they like you, they'll call you back for either a Zoom audition like this, mm-hmm. or they will um, ask you to do another self tape. Like there's a film in Florida right now that I, I I'm very close to getting. It's a martial arts film. Um, the first process was I just send a physical demonstration along with improv. All right, that was the first interview. It was mm-hmm. they gave me a scenario and I had to react to it and come up with my own like script. So I sent that in. I passed that. They sent me the actual size for three different characters. It was three different monologues and I did all three of them and I sent them in and uh, now I'm just waiting to hear back. So that's kind of how the process goes. It's like multiple phases. It's like, you know, it's like a regular job, multiple phases of interviews and then, sure. Hey, Oh, we, we want you, you got it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so when they send you those three monologues for the three different characters, is there one that you're like, yeah, I'd really like this one. Or are you kind of just like, I'll take whatever they give me. Um, I'm not picky. I'll take whatever they give me. But of course, everyone, I mean, I lean towards certain roles and others like, oh, that guy was a, a leader and he could do, you know, uh, Muay Thai. Uh, that, that was his martial arts specialist. I, mm-hmm. I know I'd do that. I would love to do that. I could fit in that role easily. But then you have um, like, I think one of the roles was a gay role. And I was like, I'm open to that type of role as well. Mm-hmm. I, can, I think I can do it. 
Um, as long as nothing, it's nothing too graphic, I don't mind doing it. So mm-hmm. of course I lean towards one role other than the other, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain like, Oh, I, I got that role. That was my least favorite. I would yeah. still, you know, I still do my best and portray that character the best way that they see it. So. Definitely. Is it difficult for you to sort of, I don't want to say get into character, but like if you have to play, like you were talking earlier about like maybe a rom-com or like a sad film where it's not maybe your, your go-to personality on a day-to-day basis, is it hard for you if you're in that like a speaking role to maintain that sort of um, persona for, for a long time? Like are there days where you're like, oh, this is going to be tough today to like fit into whatever mold that they need you in for the day? Um, I don't think so. Um, I'm pretty adaptable. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be egotistical or anything like sure. that, but I think I've, I have a natural talent for acting mm-hmm. and I'm very empathetic towards whatever character I need to play. So um, I've done a lot of recent ones where a lot of the characters are depressed and suicidal and they have very tough things. Like I just auditioned for one where the guy had to, he had to, he cremated his dad and he was talking to his the urn mm-hmm. and I had to be a little bit more emotional than I usually am because I'm not a very emotional person. Um, I guess the only, I guess, struggle, and I, I'm not really sure yet because I haven't really done it to that extent, but like, I'm not a very loud person. So mm-hmm. any roles that, you know, pertain to yelling, I don't, I just, I'm not a very loud person. So that would be, I guess, a little different. If I had to yell for a certain amount of time throughout like a certain period of shooting, I think my voice would actually go before I could get through it all because my voice is not, I just, I'm not a very loud yelling type person. But I would still do it to the best that I can. I don't think it would inhibit me. It's just one of those. That's probably the one thing that would challenge me. Yeah. Like emotionally, emotionally, any range I can do. Um, I just think the yelling one would be a little bit tougher because I'm just, that's just not my personality. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Me neither from the standpoint of even just in sports, like I'm not very a very loud person, but becoming a leader on the field, like after every game, my voice is just like gone. Like yeah. I'll, cough a little bit and then I'm like no I promise I don't have COVID it's fine (laughs) um but do you are you able to switch back and forth between auditions because I remember we uh, we were talking the other day and you're like yeah I spend like a couple hours a day doing different different auditions and stuff are you able to go back and forth between like oh it's a comedy and then it's a sad one like right afterwards absolutely yeah I'm absolutely able to do that because like uh, like for example with the three roles there were three different characters yeah you know the gay guy was talking he was talking to himself about how he felt about somebody. So it was a little bit more um, sadder versus the first guy. And uh, I think it's a superpower thing. He had a superpower where he shapeshifted and some parts of his body grew and he was impressed by it. And he was thinking about certain things, right? He was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I could do that now. Oh, wait, hold on. Now pull it back. But I can go from each character. And I think I don't, I can, at least for now, like I don't, I haven't played any big time roles. Like you listen to some of the actors that have gone through like, Oh, that, that role changed me. Oh man, that really like got to them. I haven't gone through something like that. A lot of the roles that I've applied to have been smaller roles, mm-hmm. but I think as of right now, I think that I can break the line or draw the line between, oh, this character and this character and then myself. So um, I don't think it's that difficult right now, right? Yeah. I haven't done anything too challenging for me, so I don't know. But as of right now, I don't think I have a problem with it. Yeah, that makes sense. What about, um, what was that movie that McConaughey was in where he had to like get super, super skinny for it? Oh, yeah. I think it was uh, Dallas. uh, Dallas Dallas Buyers Club, I think. Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you had anything like that where you've had to like really change or like any auditions where like it's like if you get this, you're going to have to pack on like either like 
30 pounds or like you're gonna have to get super skinny like like that have you seen anything like that in an audition sort of requirement i have not seen that yet but i am preparing for that just in case it does happen um at the point in time right now i'm just kind of maintaining my body just doing workouts home workouts and stuff like that just maintaining it i'm not trying to get too beefy and i'm mm-hmm. not trying to skin down mm-hmm. but if i get to a point where like one of the movies that i watched and one of my favorite movies called never back down the main actor for that role put on 15 pounds of muscle before, before that role. However he did it, he did it, right? And uh, I think I'm going to wait until I get to a point where I need to do that so that way I can have assistance. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not a professional personal trainer or anything like that. You know, I don't know the certain supplements to eat. I could research and stuff like that, but I'm not going to do that now. I'd rather wait. Oh, now you want me to do it? Let me push towards doing that now because mm-hmm. with my body composition now, I can play in between like a younger, like, college kid but I can also play the high school role because of the way I look right mm-hmm. I'm gonna use it to my advantage until I have to change it that makes so, sense yeah yeah I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't go about putting my body through that if I didn't have to at least for the time being but you've um in college you were what a lacrosse player and then you moved on to sort of martial arts is, is that correct I know you've been talking about mar- martial arts films a little bit in this how did you how did you jump into martial arts was that a replacement for lacrosse after you stopped playing or kind of did you just another sort of passion of yours that you just decided to pursue um i actually did both at the same time so in high school (laughs) in high school i didn't have the bug for acting i wanted to be a professional cross player so that was my passion right um Mm -hmm. i was like this is really cool so when i went to college i continued to pursue it but i also they also had a martial arts club when you go to i mean you went to mary washington right Mm mm-hmm they had the, do they have the club fair there? I don't know if they have Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, so you go to the, you see all the clubs and stuff right there, right? Mm-hmm. I saw the martial arts club. They were doing, you know, like live demonstrations as you walk around. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So the reason I did martial arts was because uh, my uncle uh, was big into MMA and he taught me a bunch of stuff. And I was like, that's pretty cool and everything like that. But I wanted to uh, enhance my knowledge of it for self-defense purposes. That's mm-hmm. it. I didn't really have a passion to fight. It doesn't, you know... I walk a mile before I have to fight somebody, but for self-defense purposes, that's why I learned the martial arts. So for the four years that I was there, I did martial arts and lacrosse four times a week. So Monday through Thursday was martial arts. And then Friday was lacrosse practice along with the weekend games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much doing something every single day for the past four years. Now, I think my senior year, I stopped playing lacrosse because I didn't have a passion for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not for me. I don't want to play, but I still did martial arts for that last year. And, um, yeah, for the most part, I did it simultaneously. So, has that transformed with your acting sort of passion? Because I know um, when we were talking the other day, you were saying like if you had an ideal sort of movie that you could be in, it would be that action martial arts sort of sort of film. Has has that kind of those two passions sort of intertwined a little bit into that? A little bit, yeah. Because you know, you watch the you know crazy martial arts movie Jackie Chan. Sure, and of it, course. And you're like, that's so cool. I want to yeah. do. So that's for me, that's the same feeling that I get. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I want to do that. I can be that, that character. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the, in acting terms, if I make it on like a rom-com series and that's how I break out, fine. But the one of the goals I really want to achieve is being in a superhero or action or martial arts type film. That would be, that would be cool. That would be like. Next sort of superhero or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like almost all the superhero movies, at least the Marvel ones that I've seen recently and some of the other ones, they all have some sort of martial arts training. And I think Michael B. Jordan before Black Panther went through some like crazy boxing routine to get, to get in shape for that. And some of the like 
I mean, I'm sure you know some of the crazy routines that they all go through. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm preparing myself just in case I have to do stuff like that. Like uh, one of my favorite actors is Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And I was learning about, I was watching one of his videos on how he got in shape for that. Cause he, he was, he was like, like ripped. Right. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about, he worked out like two or three times a day and he ate nothing but like plain chicken breast and rice. I'm like, Oh God, plain chicken breast. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. So I, I'm preparing for that in case I ever get that chance. But like, you know, like I said, for right now, I'm just maintaining everything. Yeah. That I need. Have you seen any of those big, like the Hugh Jackmans or the Michael B. Jordans? Have you seen any of those, like the big names just around, mm-hmm. like any of the Biggest. studios that you've been at or just in LA? Not nothing, nobody like that. Uh, the biggest person I've seen was again was Nico Tortorella in The Walking Dead. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So he was the biggest um, actor that I've seen so far, and um, I haven't seen anybody else in any of the other films. There's a couple people I've seen, and then I see them on TV later. I'm like, oh snap, I know that person, but. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing like mainstream, like really. Yeah. Big. So. so you just got back from a gig. Yeah. Uh, I think what two days ago or something like that. You want to run us through sort of uh, the plot, and obviously, if they don't have, uh, if they don't want you to talk too much about it, that's that's fine. But you kind of want to run us through how you got that role, how you found it, and then sort of what the what the film is about, and maybe where where we can find it. Yeah, sure. So um, I went through backstage again and going through my rounds, my daily rounds of just applying for stuff. Um, I auditioned for that part and got it. The audition was a little bit unique versus some of the other auditions I did because um, they were like, read the role, read the parts. It was a short scene, um, but it was a conversation between the, the lead, the guy that I played and his best friend, which was also another guy. So what I did for the audition is I read both parts mm-hmm. and I edited it to where it looked like I was talking to myself. Um, so when I did that, I sent it in, they were like, well, the director, his name was Diego. He's really cool. He said, it was cool how you adapt. He was like the adaptability that you show, the versatility that you showed within that audition is what got you the part. So I took that mentally and I was like, okay, from now on, if I ever get an audition or do an audition where there is two male parts or multiple male parts, I'll play all of them and send them in because, um, it shows that versatility within the character, even though you're not applying for the other two or the other one. Mm-hmm. It's still showing that versatility and like, oh, okay, so this guy actually, okay, he's at, okay, all right, cool. And that's kind of what they went on. So the film is called Sorry, I've Been Traveling. And it's about the lead character, which was me, that he was an avid traveler and then COVID hit. All right, so he was with his best friend. His best friend was a driver in the city of, I think it was LA. Yeah, LA. And, um, you know, he was asking him to take him to the airport. You know, it's a trip of my life. You know, I've been waiting for this for so long. And COVID hits. The guy gets depressed. He's kind of angry throughout the film. And uh, his friend encourages he encourages him to go to the local spot in LA. Like, hey, you know, I've been traveling around the world, but you don't even know what's around here. So he's like, go, go check it out. And so the character does that. And then before he visits his last spot, he's like, you know what, maybe I should, because they, they were best friends in the show, uh, the, uh, the film. He's like, maybe I should invite him. So he invites him to the last spot. And um, you know, they get really close and they're, you know, having a good time and stuff like that. And then, you know, it, it pushes forward to a time where COVID doesn't exist anymore, where it's been cured and we're back to normal and everything like that. And uh, the film ends with um, both of them going on traveling adventures. So um, it was a short, cool film and I enjoyed uh, playing a part in it and stuff like that. It will be released, but I can't release it on any social media because of copyright infringement. Sure. So until, I think until, 
the director, um, until he graduates from the school he's in, because it was a student film, mm -hmm. until he graduates, he cannot um, release the film socially, like publicly on the internet. So until that happens, I will refrain from, I can do like stills and stuff like that and be like, hey, sure. this is, yeah. But um, for the most part, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's gonna help me with my reel. That was very important, you mm -hmm. know, getting those speaking parts. I can use it for my reel. I just can't put it on the internet for like social media. And stuff. Gotcha, yeah, that makes sense. Once it once it is released, though, definitely send it over, and we can we can get it out. On actually, our yeah, actually, as well. there's another film actually being worked on. Before I left um, Virginia, I worked on one more film before I left, and it got halted because of COVID. The mm -hmm. editing process got way slowed down. It was supposed to be done in like May. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they couldn't get to it until this fall. I finally got an email back from them saying we're working on it, we're progressing. I believe when that one comes out, because it was a similar role to, well, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like the traveling one, but it was a lead role. Mm -hmm. and, um, when that one gets released, hopefully I'll ask them if I can put that up on social media. I think I can because the um, the setting was somebody's house and they have ownership of their own house. So that should be fine there. But um, when that releases, hopefully I can share that with everybody because that film was interesting. I played a more angry. He was he, OK. He was the leader of a brothel right? He owned a brothel. I was like, this is a very dark, mm -hmm. interesting character. So mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see how that came out because I was playing a different role than who I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I don't own a brothel. <laughs> so it was a very interesting <laughs> character to play. And um, I'm interested to see how that one comes out. But yeah, this one that I just did, it won't be available for a few years. So that's all right. Well, when it comes, when it comes, we'll be ready. Yeah. I got uh, a couple more thoughts bugged me while you were talking. The first one was when you were talking about that you play like both male parts in, in the audition. Yeah. If there's a, like when you're auditioning for stuff, if there's like a female part or something like do you, like does your sister help you or like how do you go about doing, doing those sorts of auditions? And, if, if, go, ahead, go ahead. And also do you, can, do you do them in, in one take or do you go like, do you go over them a couple of times and, and then you figure out like the best one that you want or like, how, how do how do you kind of go about doing that? All right. So for a female part, unless they specifically say you need a reader, I don't do it because my mm -hmm. sister is like, you know, she has her own life and I can't, mm -hmm. Hey, can you help me out with this thing? Every single day. Right. She's sure. her own thing. She's doing and stuff like that. So I don't um, do that unless it's absolutely needed. And then for, you just skip those lines then? Yeah, yeah. So it's like if I, I kind of like I say the line and then I pretend I'm hearing what she's saying, right? And then I react, oh, okay. Da, da, and then I say my line. Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm still physically acting to what she's saying to me, but it, she's just not, there's no words coming from gotcha. her. And then um, in terms of like uh, the takes and stuff like that, I don't ever get anything on the first take. Some things are harder than others. Some things take like hours and hours and hours to do. Um, but what I'll do is the first thing I do is memorize the lines because I need to get the lines down so I can get into the character. So I memorize mm -hmm. all the lines for that scene or whatever audition I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then once I get the lines down, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Now let's do the emotion. What's he feeling? How is he acting in the scene? Stuff like that. And I try to portray that as best as I can. So I'll do like two or three takes. And then when I'm in the editing process, I will pick the one that I think I did the best on. So I memorize the script and then get into the character emotionally and then get this, you know, two or three takes. Okay, that was good. Let's get another one. And then boom, I'm done. Editing process. I will, I watch all three and then I pick the best one. Hmm. So Is that's that sort I, of a normal, if, if you were to go through a normal sort of uh, backstage audition process, is that kind of how it would go for you? 
Yes, that's how it goes. So the normal process is I usually wait until about 7 p.m. my time because that's when all the auditions for the day are out for backstage. And there's another site that I use called Actors Access. Um, around 7 p.m. is when they're all out. So I go, I go through both of the websites and I go through and apply to every single one that I think is applicable to me. And then if they don't get back to me that day, the same night, I just will do it in the morning mm-hmm. and then just repeat that process. Anything that I missed after 7 p.m., anything that's listed after 7 p.m., I just hit it the next day. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then once I get it, they're like, hey, that was, you know, we watched a reel or, you know, we like your look. We want you to do this part now or read this audition. So I do the audition. I do memorize the script and then, you know, do the takes, chop it up, send it in, and then I wait to hear back. And that's what I do day in and day out every single day until I get something. And that's how I got the one in uh, L.A. recently. So. Is it, how long is a normal audition scene? Like how long does it take you to memorize all those lines? Depending on how long it is and depending on the paragraph, depending on what they're saying. So like if they're short lines, but there's a lot of them, it takes less time because if mm-hmm. it's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Oh, that's cool. Are you going to go out? You know, stuff like that. If it's shorter lines, I can memorize it quickly because it's shorter lines. It's, it's easier to remember. If they're longer, if the paragraph, if it's like a paragraph within like smaller lines, I'll do the smaller lines first. Okay, boom, 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 got up to here. And then once I get to the big paragraph, I usually take it like fit like halfway and I'm like, all right, memorize this first half and then do the other half. Mm-hmm. All right, so like mm-hmm. the one that I just did with the, um, the guy who was talking to his dad, he had, it was basically a monologue. He was just talking to the urn, right? Mm-hmm. And there was somebody watching him, but he was talking to the urn. He had a very long paragraph. So I memorized like halfway through, there was lines before that halfway through. And I did, I just kept doing that over and over and over again until I got it. I was like, okay, got all these lines down and I got halfway through. Now let's get the other half. Boom, 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 boom. And I just keep repeating it over and over and over again until I'm like, okay, I got it. Okay. I got it. So depending on how big those, those paragraphs are, will depend on how long it takes for me to, um, memorize the lines because the big the big ones those i mean you have to memorize all the words to the best of your ability you know it doesn't have to be like perfect but like mm-hmm. to the best of your ability of memorizing what that guy is saying during that time he's talking so mm-hmm. yeah are you ever kind of like going through one of your takes and, and you forget and then like do you just stop it or do you kind of improvise yeah. like or does it no, depend does like, it depend like, on the audition <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be like, man, I messed that up. And I'll look at the script again. I'll be like, oh, okay, it's that. And then I'll go back into it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely not perfect with takes. It, def- it takes me a while to like, well, some of them, it takes me a little bit to memorize the, the line because not only are, I have to memorize the line, I have to memorize how he's feeling that emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's tearing up, maybe he's crying, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's yelling or something. So I have to memorize the line along with the emotion associated with that line. So um, it just depends. It just yeah. Depends. How do you do sort of, uh, you mentioned earlier that the one, the martial arts from the Florida, they they asked you to do some improv as part of the audition. How do yeah. you, how do you do that? How do you improv as an audition? Improv was interesting. Um, this one was easier because I had the time to sit back and think about it. Mm-hmm. But um, just going on a tangent real quick, the, there was a film, not a film, but like a short scene that I did before I did the last film in Virginia. There was mm-hmm. one thing that I did. And they had me do improv on the spot in front of all these cameras. And I got nervous because I was like, oh crap, I don't know what to say because it was a like womanizer role. And I was talking to this girl who was sitting Mm -hmm. across from me. And that's not my, like, it's not something that comes naturally to me. Not like that, you know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't like we were just talking normally, like, oh, how you doing? It was like, I was talking to her as if I was trying to get with her, right? Mm -hmm. 
so they were like just go with just pretend you've been here before i was like oh crap i've never been here before <laughs> so improv on the spot right i was i was having a hard time with improv where i have time to think about it i'm fine mm-hmm. you know what I'm, saying? I'm okay if it's drafting me on the spot and they're like we need to take now i'm like oh jesus um okay i got through it it was it was all right um but yeah improv itself um you just have to you know you just create the scenario yourself you know what i'm yeah. saying i think a lot of us have a I think most people have a really good imagination, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, uh, one of the scenes was pretend that you are in the battlefield or something and you watch your leader get killed. And he had, I guess he had powers. Again, these people have powers. Mm-hmm. And before you could reach him, right? Before, because he got stabbed from behind, right before you reach him, he teleports you back to safety. All these people come up to you and they're like, "What? where's the, where's the leader? What'd you do? What, what happened? Mm-hmm. So I went with that and, you know, it was easy. Well, it, was, it wasn't easy, but it was, it was easier than being like on the spot. Yeah. I'm saying so uh, the improv audition was it was a lot of fun I, th- I had fun with it because you, mm-hmm. you, know, you get to make your own story it was it was cool it's cool you can't leave us with the uh i had to do improv on the spot and then not tell us how it went <laughs> um so it was um it was kind of like this the show was a i don't know if you've ever seen like the house sitters or like the house wives mm, of la yeah i've like, seen like commercials episodes yeah, right? i know the you premise know, yeah you know the theme is right so it was like that right mm-hmm. and i was just a supporting character i was just the ex-boyfriend of one of the girls in the house mm-hmm. and um so i came up to the house and uh, we were sitting for our scene and i was like okay so what, what are we doing you know he was like you know don't worry about it you know well, i'll get to you in a second because he was helping out other people and stuff like that and i was like all right cool so i was sitting there they brought the actress and she sat across from me at a table and uh, i was like okay so what are we doing so they gave me the scenario right there they were like mm-hmm. you're back in town or something and you see your ex-girlfriend and she's looking good and you're trying to get back with her you're trying to see what she's <laughs> up to and i was like uh okay he was like and they were you- like and go <laughs> he was like pretend you've been here before you've been here a thousand times i was like Okay, so I got really nervous because I was like, I don't know what to say because I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm not a womanizer, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can be all, we can be confident, you know, have conversations with, you know, um, you know, girl that you like and stuff like that. But you're not going to be like on the first time that you see me, I can be like, oh, hey, we, you know, you're not going to do that. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's a different so, sort of feeling than just It's a different feeling. So I was yeah. like, oh, I have to pretend I already did this. All right, so what I did was I just made up a bunch of stuff. So because the, the, my counterpart was apparently um like starstruck she was like did see about me like oh my god it's so cool and stuff like that so i just pretended that i was like a big shot so i was like you know i was working on this book remember that book that i was talking about and yeah. uh, you know oh do you want to get some pizza sometime and oh you still like cheese pizza don't you and stuff like that so <laughs> um i i don't know if they could tell i could tell but when so, on some of the lines that i was saying my voice was a little shaky because mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't have a lot of com- i was like i didn't know what to say here so but my voice is kind of shaky they said i did a great job um, they sent me a little small clip of it and I was like, okay, it's it's kind of, it's definitely out of character for me, but it was yeah, it's acceptable. It. Yeah. yeah, I got it. So um, yeah, it was a very interesting um, take. That was the first time that's ever happened to me. So um, going forward, I'm like preparing for that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. improv and stuff like that. Actually with the film that I just did, um, they had us do a lot of improv. So, but it was more like physical acting, like, oh, this time I want you to like be mad and slam your fist and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can try that. And uh, during um, some of the audio sessions, they added lines in. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I can, let me see if I can do that and stuff like that. But yeah, improv is tricky on the spot for me. I got to work on it. Yeah. I'm sure for, I'm sure for everybody. I remember you'd be in like middle school and be like, okay, come up with a, 
like in Spanish class or whatever, be like, all right, come up with a play about all the vocab you just learned. Exactly. Like you're just trying to fit it all into one sentence so you didn't have to say more than one. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. um, and, and it's not because if you, you know, if you have the time to memorize things and even in presentations for like classes and stuff like that, if you have the time mm-hmm. to sit there and be confident, like, oh, I know the information, you can get mm-hmm. up in front of class and be like, oh, here it is. But if they're like, okay, here's the topic. You got five minutes to learn it. And I'm like, ah, okay. It's a little nerve wracking. <laughs> Definitely. I remember I could always tell in school, like, speaking in front of people how much I had prepared before like when I got up there like as I got as I started doing we'll say uh less prepared ones more I got more prepared at doing at winging it um but even so like it's definitely once you like once you have time to like go over the material and and you know what you're talking about it's very very easy to just be like yep you're good it's, yep. it's a learn it's a learned skill though because not not everybody is comfortable doing that they could know the material like the back of their hand and still not want to yeah, not want to talk in front of people is that something that always came naturally to you um i'm gonna say no because in high school i was very um i was like the opposite i was very shy and introverted mm-hmm. and um so when i was doing speaking on things you know public speaking and presentation stuff like that i would have a hard time with it mm-hmm. you know unless it was a subject that i really liked or i was doing something that i really enjoyed um i had a hard time with it and then through acting you know being in front of a camera i don't know it kind of just it kind of i just kind of changed a little bit. i think it was from like high school to college when i went to college i kind of changed i was still introverted i wasn't as shy but i was still introverted you know i still you know like my space and i was mm-hmm. very quiet and everything like that but I didn't have a problem holding a conversation with people yeah. and um, that, that actually helped me with acting because you get, you're in front of a camera with 20 people looking at you, like get this line, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're trying to go lunch. <laughs> so um, it didn't always come naturally to me, but I think through practice and confidence and mm-hmm. uh, you know, higher self esteem, just looking at yourself on a higher level, I think, you know, self-love is huge to becoming the person that you want to be to, to talk to people, anyone, I mean, in front of people, in front of one person, talking to that person that you like, I think confidence, you know, self-esteem is very, very important. So I think that's what helped me push past the boundary of, oh, I don't want, I don't want to talk in front of these people. Yeah. I was the same high school, hated presentations, college. I was good a little bit more. And then like, if you had told me five years ago, Hey, you're going to have a podcast and put it on the internet. Be like, nah, (laughs) it's different. It's like, obviously I don't have 20 people watching me, but you kind of forget that the camera's there at, at a certain point, like the first five or six we, we did, they were in person and we actually filmed them. We had like cameras and stuff and, and Dylan who edits the stuff, shout out to him, uh, was there kind of as, um, I don't know if you've seen the Joe Rogan experience, but he was being the, the Jamie role. If we needed to make sure we got something right, he Googled it real quick. But, um, and so that was a little bit different cause we had the tripods and he had uh, a studio light and stuff that we were able to use. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple were, after the first like minute or so, you just kind of forget that it's there. You just have the conversation like as normal. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of happen for for you when you're on set, or does yeah. it kind of depend on the set? Like I'm sure for the Sorry I Was Traveling movie or Sorry I'm Traveling movie, it's a little bit different than The Walking Dead. The amount of people and the amount of cameras that they have and, and all that, I'm sure it's a little bit different. But is it the same sort of for you, where you kind of just forget that it's there and like you know that you know the lines and you're just kind of rolling through it? Um. I would say sometimes, yeah, I think it's half and half. I do forget that camera's there sometimes, but I'm always aware of it. But it's like I'm comfortable, you know what I'm saying? I'm comfortable mm-hmm. in front of the camera. Plus, having a partner mm-hmm. makes it makes it easier. If you're doing yeah. a monologue in front of a camera, it's a little bit different because mm-hmm. it's like, 
you know, first of all, you can't look at the camera and you got to, you know, deliver this line. So there's no one to like feed off of like energy wise, but when you're doing it with a partner or if you're having a conversation with somebody, it's, it's more natural. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm -hmm. you're focused on them. You're not focused on the camera to your right. You're focused on, oh, okay. We do oh, okay. Da -da. So with the walking dead, it was a lot easier though, because I didn't have any lines. The camera yeah. wasn't really focused on me. I just mm -hmm. had to act natural in the background. So, um, I think that was a lot easier, but when you're even, any speaking roles, even if it's like just three or four people with the camera and the director and they're just watching you. Um, I think for someone who has a hard time speaking in front of people will have a harder time with that than being mm -hmm. an extra in the back. Sure. Cause you don't, you don't even have to say anything in the back. You just sit in the back and you know, you just play with your pencils or something. You just act natural. Yeah. I saw, I think you, you uploaded the scene that you were in the walking dead. I think I saw you, you were just like going like this with your pencil and just yeah. like sitting there. <laughs> you know, I was just acting like a bored college kid and that's because that's, you know, that's what you do. Yeah, we've yeah. been there, so I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know. like half asleep. Yeah, exactly. Twiddling your thumbs and stuff. Exactly. Have so. you seen, um, this might be a super random one, I don't want to say ignorant, but in oh. some shows where they're, where they're acting about being actors and then they have like, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, the TV show is like, like for, with friends, for example, with Joey, how he was trying to be an actor. Right. Yeah. And they'd have extras come in and do some, like some crazy stuff, like to try and get on camera. Like, have, is that a thing that happens or is that just something that they put on TV? Um, well, when I was filming the traveling, the, the most recent one, mm -hmm. um, there's a spot in LA, I believe it was called little Tokyo. Right. So it's a smaller version of, it's like the Japanese place, mm -hmm. you know, they have mm -hmm. noodles, they have like Japanese culture in mm -hmm. that area. And one of the shots, we had to walk through the entire, like, plaza, right? Mm -hmm. It's a small little plaza. You walk through it. <laughs> we were walking through it, and the shot was of me just walking around looking at the, like, the view and everything. And there was, I want to say kids, I want to say younger kids saw that the camera was on me, and they were like, oh, they're filming something. And they, like, jumped behind me, and they were like, ah, da, da. And I was like, oh. <laughs> So um, in a scene like Friends or a setting like Friends, that's a mm -hmm. private thing. So everybody mm -hmm. that's there is there for a reason. But like for public things, yeah, it, it happens. People jump in and they're like, oh, what are you filming? Oh, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Cause, in the middle of the scene, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and I had to keep like in character because the people, you know, the direct, they were still filming regardless because mm -hmm. they can just cut that out, right? Mm -hmm. Editing, you just cut that out or you don't mm -hmm. include it. So I had to stay in character, but I was like, these people are right behind me just jumping around, aren't they? <laughs> was that hard? You knew they were there. Yeah, it was It was difficult, but I was like, I'm just going to pretend that they're not there. I'm just going to keep looking around at the scenery and stuff like that. But yeah, it happens. If you're in a public place and um, people are brave enough, they see you you know, with a the camera, they'll jump in. They'll Wild. Jump in. <laughs> people, people are nuts, man. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier you were kind of sustaining yourself with YouTube income. Do you think the YouTube sort of helped you get comfortable in front of the camera? Did you use oh. face cam or, or not so much? Yes, absolutely. I actually, I do YouTube channels and I stream. So I do mm -hmm. live streams in front of however many people are watching me. So mm -hmm. um, definitely getting comfortable in front of the camera. That helped a lot. Yeah, actually that helped a lot, a lot because you know, it, when you're sitting there and you're like trying to entertain 20, 30, 40 people that are watching you, it all comes natural. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It all comes natural because you know, they're there to watch you either play that game or maybe they like you as a person and they like your content. They just want to see you. But doing that over a period of time definitely helped with being in front of the camera. But I was doing acting before I even got on YouTube. So maybe they both helped each other because by the time I was doing YouTube, I was already deep into acting. So sure. I was kind of already used to it. 
Why'd you start the, um, did you start the YouTube as a means of like supplemental income or like, why, why did you, why did you start that? No, I didn't do it to make money. I, uh, so the reason I did it, there's a game that I was playing called Clash of Clans on my phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, like most games, you have teammates, you have clan mm-hmm. mates, right? You can get up to 50 people in that clan. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, one of the elements of the game is wars and people were asking me, how do we, how do you do that? You know, how do you do that? So instead of typing it out all the time, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make a YouTube channel. And you guys are going to go watch my video. So that way, instead of me being like explaining like two paragraphs, you can just watch this video for five minutes and it'll show you the same thing. I could do it better too on the video. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did at first. And then it kind of grew from there because, you know, people that weren't in my clan, people that weren't part of that, they just came in. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's a good point right there. And they sub and then it just grows from there. And that's kind of what happened. You know, the whole YouTube thing was just to help out the the members of my clan. I considered myself an expert in that game mm-hmm. so i was like i'm gonna put it up on youtube so that way people can uh get better at the game and stuff like that and more people flock to it and that's what's been going on ever since well definitely some people have considered yourself an expert i think you got a couple of videos with uh with 400 or 500 thousand views and yep. your channel sitting at what sixteen thousand or seventeen thousand subscribers now so yep. you got a uh, more than one or two people that think you're an expert on there so mm-hmm. Are you still, you're still uploading kind of daily or like, how do you kind of go balance the time between uploading for, for that many people? And then also putting all your audition tapes in and work it out. And like, how do you balance all that time and streaming too? Cause I had um, a guy, it's Haber on, he was on episode 16. Yeah. I watched him. Yeah. So he streams when he streams, he's streaming for like six, seven, eight eight hours a day, plus all his YouTube content. Um, And I know that that takes up a ton of his time. And so you got that plus your, all your audition stuff where you got to memorize lines and stuff. How do you balance all that? Um, it's a matter of uh, priorities. I don't ever let myself feel pressured into doing something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So especially YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I moved across the United States, I was gone for like a month. I didn't post anything for like a month because I was moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't feel the pressure of, you know, oh man, all these people are gonna, I, I let everybody know, you know what I'm saying? That, or everybody that cared, right? Mm-hmm. I let everybody know. And then I moved and it was like a month or two, it went by. And then I kind of addressed the fact that I wasn't playing the game that made me big. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not playing Clash that much anymore. So balancing it out with everything that I do is a matter of priorities. You know what I'm saying? YouTube is always gonna be there for me. I can make videos whenever I want. I can make videos at two o'clock in the morning. It's not gonna make a difference. But for acting, it takes a priority versus that or, you know, watching TV or whatever it is, because that's what I want to do. It's the number one thing that I want to do and mm-hmm. anything else comes second. So if I have the film, I was there for a week, right? Eight mm-hmm. days. Um, I didn't do any filming. I didn't mean, I didn't do any YouTube, no film, no YouTube, no streaming, none of that stuff. I was gone for like two, two and a half weeks mm-hmm. and I came back and I just resumed it. So throughout my day, depending on what I'm doing, is how I'll schedule it. I don't do it like in advance. Like today, um, we're doing our thing. And then after I'm going to be streaming for a little bit and then I'll work out and then that'll be my day. Maybe make a couple videos and stuff like that. But there's a lot of time in the day. There's a lot mm-hmm. of time in the day. And uh, I think people underestimate how much they can get done in a day if you, you know, grind it out and stuff like that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the, the freedom to sort of make your own schedule? I yeah, know that uh, once COVID happened and I was able to work from home and I didn't have to spend an hour in the car every day and, and do all this other stuff. And I was able to get workouts in in the morning and, and make sure I did all my chores. But by, by like the amount of stuff I got done before, like 1 p.m. was amazing. I could spend the rest of the day like recording podcasts or going and doing whatever, cooking and, and 
like trying different things, making YouTube videos, et cetera. Um, have you enjoyed, have you enjoyed that sort of freedom? Yeah, it's, it's been nice. Actually when COVID hit when I was still working at the job, my government job, mm-hmm. we all moved to remote. Oh my God, it was super easy. It was yeah. super easy at that point. You know, I was an IT guy, you know, they didn't really need me unless something was broken. Wrong. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a breeze. I, I enjoyed it. It was like a mini vacation, but during that time, I didn't, I didn't sit around as if it was a mini vacation. I just, you know, I enjoyed my time and I did things that I wanted to do. You make a YouTube video or, you know, work out or stream or whatever it is. I do enjoy the freedom. And where I'm at now, I'm very grateful because I, I could not have my sister helping me out. I could be paying rent in LA and, you know, doing something very expensive like that. And I could be eating through my money like quickly, like really fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that I'm able to um, use the small amount of income that comes in every month to stretch out you know, first of all, the freedom to do what I want and then pursue my goals at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's very, um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, very grateful, humble. What, you know? Yeah, for sure. When you go get your gigs, are they paid or unpaid or both? Or are you just still like, like you said earlier, just kind of taking whatever comes your way? Right now in the beginning, I'm taking whatever I can get unpaid mm-hmm. or paid. You know, I don't, I don't, it, there's no discrepancies. If it gets to a point I mean, I don't ever want to be at a point where I have to be like, I can only do paid gigs. That that limits my my opportunities because then mm-hmm. I can't do student films. I can't do anything where there's no payment involved. Right. And then I'm like, oh, well, that only pays $50. You know, I don't like I don't like doing that because I want to do it for free. I want to be able mm-hmm. to do it whenever. I, I enjoy doing it. So in the beginning, I'm taking whatever I can get. I have saved up enough to where I can support myself and go where I need to go in order to do the shoots and stuff like that. I've, I was actually thinking about it you know, driving back and forth from Las Vegas to LA because I visit both places because my dad mm-hmm. lives here in Las Vegas. Um, I was thinking, I was like calculating in my head the amount of miles my car could drive back and forth to get a certain amount of, you know, clips so that way I can have enough to put my reel out and stuff like that. So I'll think about stuff like that. But, you know, if I get like 10, let's say I get 10 productions done, 10 mm-hmm. films, that's mm-hmm. a lot of content. That's a lot of content to put in one reel because reels aren't supposed to be that long. It's like two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. So I get 10 films done. That's not that much. 10 films done. Um, it probably, it, it will be a little expensive, but it won't put that much of a dent in my savings. I could use those 10 films and then pitch myself to an agency and maybe get a little lucky, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's all in my favor right now. And I don't have any, like, I don't, I just, yeah, I, I don't have that pressure to be like, oh, I have to go do paid gigs. I have to, I have to be paid. So yeah. really, it's really nice and opens up opportunities to meet people that, you know, maybe one day they're like, Hey, we, I liked you in that last film. You want to come back for another film? Mm-hmm. You know, this one's paid this time. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you just never know. So it's like, it's a connections business yeah, as, yeah. as a lot of businesses are for sure, but definitely the preparation and the savings to go into that is, is huge. But I mean, you heard it, you heard it here first or not even first, but the, the preparation stuff, like if you, if people want to follow their passions, it's definitely doable for sure. You're a, you're a walking example of that. I'm trying. Um, yeah. So <laughs> if I make it because I'm also doing blogs, right? If I make mm-hmm. it, they can look back and be like, Oh, he started, he started there. He was living in his sister's house at 25. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't judge myself like that. Though. I don't get like, you know, Oh, you're in your sister's house at 25. You should have your own place. Now I don't, I don't really care. No. You know, definitely not. It's all, it's all in context, you know, it's all in context. There are some people at 25 living at their parents' house where you're like, Oh, mm. But yeah. it's all in context. So what? So you mentioned agencies. So how does that kind of work? You show them, you show them the reel. They like you, and then it's kind of like, 
they, they they throw your name in the ring for for roles that you otherwise wouldn't have seen or kind of how does that work yeah i mean i'm not entirely sure because i haven't done too much research on it because i'm not at that point yet but the research that i have done um you pitch to them they like you you know whatever it is hey i'm jeremiah and here's my reel my headshot i would love for you to represent me i love your work or whatever it is if they like you they'll they'll put you in they'll throw you in the ring and then they have connections within the field so if they hear something that fits your range they'll throw you towards that oh here's mm-hmm. an audition oh here's something that you should apply for stuff like that so um with that getting into the acting guild as well is really big because if i can get an agent who's in the acting guild that will give me the opportunity to go for the big, big, big stuff, like the big films and the big, you know, speaking lines on, mm-hmm. you know, certain shows and stuff like that. That's also also another goal of mine to get into SAG. It's called SAG. So what um, is what is the actor SAG? Is SAG is SAG the acting guild? SAG is the acting guild so for what is what is that? It's basically your. It's basically like the way to title yourself as a professional. If you get into that, you're a professional actor. That's what. That's basically what it is. You know, you're a union member mm-hmm. and that means any roles that you take from now on, um, you're automatically always supposed to be paid. Like you're like an employee, not like, I don't want to say like an employee, but you're like, you're part of that business now. Mm-hmm. And um, being part of SAG is a big thing because you can get access to their website. Their website has a lot of resources for SAG actors, agents, agencies, of course, auditions and uh, connections that you can make. It's very, it's a very powerful place to be and um a lot of people will have a hard time getting in there there is a giant fee to get in and you have to pay quarterly to stay in the guild it's a very serious thing they want to know that you're serious about it so um that is the ultimate goal for me i don't want to do it too fast though because as soon as you become a sag member you're not allowed to do any more non-union films no more student films no more anything that's non-sag you can't do it Mm. against their rules so what is the limiting sort of like I wouldn't I wouldn't know off the top of my head but like how far is this the reach of like of SAG as far as films so obviously you're not really in the realm of like like you're still doing student films and things of that nature but like to be like in a movie theater is like the likelihood that it's a SAG film like any yeah very very high any big film, TV show, or anything like that, any big actor you know or actress is in SAG. Mo- like 99% of them are in SAG. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't know the backgrounds on, like, at least for their acting guilds. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're like, but mo- like Scarlett Johansson, she mm-hmm. started on backstage and then went into SAG. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence, I don't know where she started, but she's in the SAG too. Everybody that you know, all the actors, all the big actresses, it's, it's a SAG. All the, like The Walking Dead, that's a SAG production. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. um also to get in the sag you have to get these vouchers too. It's, it's 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 a grind to get in there it's a grind to get in there so what, what do you mean by vouchers so with the walking dead the reason i bring that up is because it was a sag production mm-hmm. if you fill in i was a non-union person i filled in one time as a as, an, as a union person union people get paid more so the production pays everybody that's part of the film or the series mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so the union people get paid and the non-union people get paid, but the union people get the union people get paid more, like a lot more mm-hmm. than the non-union. I didn't care about the money. It was, you know, it, it's it's not that a big deal to me. But you get a voucher if you fill in for a union person. So there was one scene that I came in and uh, I filled in for a union person. I got a union voucher, which means that I 
participated as a SAG or a union member without having a union membership. If you get three of them within 30 days, you have to join SAG. You cannot do any other productions and you have to join SAG because- You have to. You have to because um, I think it's called, what's it called? The William Howard, Howard Taft or something. There's a paperwork they send you and if you don't join it and you continue to take work uh, without being part of SAG, um, they won't let you do it. They won't let you be, they won't let you do it anymore because you have to join it. You know, you're getting paid at a SAG membership, but you're not a member. You know what I'm mm. saying? Oh, like it's, get, because, it's because you got paid in that way. And, yeah, and you're not paying the fees to be part of that membership. Gotcha. Everybody inside pays that membership. So there's a entrance fee and then there's a, I think they said quarterly fees. Because when I was on The Walking Dead, I talked to a lot of SAG actors. There's a lot of them there. Mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of them, how they got in, what they had to do, um, stuff like that. Um, so there's fees to get in. There's quarterly fees. I have to have a unique name. Nobody in SAG has the same name. I have is that, to have a unique is that why actors change their names? Yes, that's why actors change their names. So if somebody already has my name, while I go into SAG, I have to change my name because it's a unique database. So um, I was talking about that, and then I was just trying to find ways to get into it. They're like union vouchers. You can also do uh, stunts. I was talking to this one guy. He was a stunt person. He did like wire training. So when mm-hmm. you see like people go flying in movies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they're usually attached to a wire. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I was thinking about doing stunts because like I was telling him I'm a martial artist. Martial artists can get into SAG easier because if they can do stunts, that's how they get into the they get the vouchers really quickly. Oh, yeah. when you do stunt, boom, you're into SAG. So. Uh, and then, of course, I was talking to SAG actors who was also like, don't go into SAG too fast because then you won't be able to do any non-union stuff. So it's a delicate balance. And that's why I, I'm trying to do as many non-union stuff and get as many for my reel before I start pitching. Mm-hmm. Before I start pitching. So, Have you thought about going into stunts? Like when you were talking about stunts, I was like, oh, you're a martial artist. You, you yep. could do that. Yep. And, then, and then you said it. So um, yep. have, you, have you thought about that? I have. And I, um, when I was in DC or when I was in Northern Virginia, I, there was a DC stunt coalition, but they weren't very active. I sent them a message. It took them a while to get back to me every now and then. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to work out. I could apply for a stunt training out here, but, uh, with my income, with my money situation, I'm really not trying to spend anything that's unnecessary. Sure. So once I get to a point where maybe I do a film or two that's paid and it's like, okay, I got a little extra money. Oh, now I can go um, to acting classes. Now I can go to acting school. Now I can go to do the stunts that I need to do, fight choreography, whatever it is. But as of right now, just starting out, I'm just going to hold back a little bit, you know, and uh, I, I would do it eventually. I would do it eventually. So. Did you take acting classes before? I took, I took one in college. Now is it? That's it. I don't have a background in acting. You just like it. You just <laughs> yeah, like it and happen to be good at it. I just, I just, again, I, I just happen to have a natural talent for it. People think, you know, I mean, I, I'm obviously getting roles and callbacks and stuff like that. So I'm doing something right. But I, yeah, I don't have any professional acting. Uh, I don't have a professional acting background, no class or anything. The only class I took was in college. It was a small one, like one semester thing. And uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot, but that was it. It wasn't my major. So I couldn't really pursue anything else besides that. So, but yeah, I took one acting class. It was a lot of fun. That was it. That's the only thing I have. So. Sounds good. I think we've talked about most... Was there other stuff that you wanted to talk about? I forgot. I just, uh, you know, since at the beginning you're talking about, uh, you know, we haven't seen each other since middle school, you know, um, what made you start a podcast and stuff like that? You know, that's, that's- oh, so I think back in, in May when George Floyd was killed, I was talking to Sammy Nizzi, who were the first guests on, on episode one. I was having conversations like similar to this one and some of the, some of the other episodes on a fairly regular basis anyways. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Sammy was like, Hey man, you have good ideas. Like, have you considered starting a podcast? And, uh, Dylan and, and myself have been friends for years and we've, we've been talking about sort of, um, I guess alternative ways to not necessarily make income, but like hobbies and other thing, other things that we can be productive with our time that aren't right. just like playing video games or something stupid. So we had talked about it on and off and then, uh, it was June. We'd been in lockdown for like two or three months at that point, And we were kind of just like, screw it. Why not? Like Dylan's like Dylan's shy. He doesn't want to be in front of the camera. He's got all the camera equipment, knows how to edit sound and video. Um, and it just was a, it was a good match. It was a good match for the two of us. Cause he had no desire to be on camera mm-hmm. at all, but he knew how to do all the technical stuff. Yeah. I'm not like, if I taught myself to do the technical stuff, like it's not that complicated for what we're doing. Like we don't, we don't have any crazy equipment or anything. I can teach myself how to do it, but if he do, if he wants to do it, then it's, it's sort of a, a match made in heaven, you could say, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what it was. And, um, the first couple episodes did really well. We got a lot of good feedback from people. Mm-hmm. Sammy, Sammy and Izzy must have texted it to like a thousand people because <laughs> they their episode on Spotify has like five times more listens than any of the other ones. Um, wow. But yeah, we got some good feedback and we were like, why not? And then so it got me, so the first like 10 or so were kind of me reaching out to people and then as we move forward, I've, got, I've been able to talk to, to some cool people like yourself, people who are doing different things, uh, like Haber, like never would have been able to talk to him. Like I've known his work for a couple of years, just cause I'm familiar with that sort of, that, that their scene, mm. um, never would have been able to talk to him otherwise. So it was cool to kind of pick his brain and see what, see what he's doing. He's way younger than I thought he was. He's 21 or 22. Um, mm. and so hopefully just, can keep going and to be honest now at this point it's just kind of like finding the coolest people i can talk to you know um and if other people are interested in what those people have to say but don't have the means to sort of talk to them for example um then if i can be that person that can kind of have that conversation for them or for them um or like if one person gets one good thing out of whatever the episode is like this one, somebody's like, Oh, I want to be an actor. And then they, they didn't know about backstage or something like that. They're like, Oh, they find out a piece of information that they wouldn't have otherwise known. Um, that's kind of what it's there for, to be honest. Like, would it be nice if it blew up? Sure. Yeah. Is, is that necessarily the goal? No. Goal is just to talk to fun, like cool and fun people and just keep learning, dude. It's like, it's a learning thing. It's a curiosity thing you know? Right. Yeah. Is it something, so, you know, you talked about, obviously my goal and dreams is to be an actor. I mean, is it to be a podcast interviewer or is it like, what is, what is your ultimate goal? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I just, I'm seeing where this goes. I think if this turns into something where I don't need like, the end goal is kind of just to to be able to kind of work for myself and set my own schedule, you know? Mm -hmm. And however I end up doing that, whether it's through this or through like something involving soccer, maybe like I'm part of a soccer club, like running a soccer club or something like that, or like I start my own company or, or end up wherever, however I end up doing that. It's just like, it's just the freedom to like, we were talking about earlier to like set your own schedule and, and cause 
you know from being a contractor, there are all days that you're you're not doing anything. You're sitting at your desk doing literally nothing, and you're like, I could be doing so much more with my time right now. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's like I don't want to have to sit at a desk and do nothing. It's like if that job has, if I'm busy all the time, then that's that's a little bit different. But that's kind of the end goal, I guess, is to to be able to have the freedom really to like do what I want to do and kind of talk talk to people and just experience life, you know? Yeah. Do you watch any other podcasts? Do you have your favorites or anything? Rogan, for sure. Um, he's got tons of cool people on all the time. Oh, yeah. Of course, like Insane yeah. <laughs> people. Um, Lex Friedman, he's a, he's, he's probably the most interesting man in the world. Dos Equis commercials is probably him, but like in the complete opposite way. He's a Russian physicist who has a PhD from MIT, but he also has a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, Jesus. Okay. It's like the most random combination of things. But he had um, he had a guy, do you know who David Fravor is, Commander David, David Fravor? Nah, I don't know. He was a Navy pilot for forever. He was the one that saw, it was like a UFO back in like 2004. So he right. had him on, and they're talking about like the ins and outs of the F-18 Hornets, like the technical sides, like how the targeting system works and how they saw it in the way that they saw it when they were chasing it and like all sorts of cool stuff. So, uh, when I get, when I'm, when my brain is in a sciencey mood, that's, that's the one I go for. And also Dan Carlin's hard, hardcore history, um, is another good one. This is more, uh, the curiosity of the mind this, is those three kind of touch most subjects, uh, that you could kind of get into, to be honest. But yeah, those are the three big ones, I think. And then, and then the FIFA YouTubers are the are the other ones I listen to, like just in the car, like if I'm doing chores or whatever around the house, I'll have something on in the background all the time. So, right. Um, so have you watched the uh, Hot Ones podcast? I've not. It's a podcast where they eat increasingly hotter chicken wings. While they oh, eat. I've heard of that. You've heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. So one of my I just wrangling one of my goals. Um, my favorite food is buffalo wings. If, Do you want to get on it? <laughs> yeah, if I ever get on that show, I know I've made it. They've had, they've, had, they've had superstars on there. Kevin Hart, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Matthew McConaughey. I think, I've, awesome. I think I've seen the one with Shaq. Yeah, so they've seen, you know, they, they had a bunch of people. So they got big time names on there. If I make it on that show ever, I'm eating my favorite thing while I'm talking about however I got there, right? Mm-hmm. I know I've made it. That's how I know I've made it. That's how I know, okay, I'm successful. I got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know Shaq did it. Do you have something like that? Maybe if you get on Joe Rogan's podcast? Oh, yeah, that would, that would probably be it, to be honest. If, if I was on the Joe Rogan experience, that would be the thing. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be the one. I, I have no idea how he picks his people yeah, to go on there. But he, gets, he, gets, he gets famous people, too. I don't know how he does it, but he gets famous people. and yeah, yeah, All sorts of people. He had like a, a doctor that, that Yale... And then, like, two days later, it was with, like, Kanye West. It's like, <laughs> everybody. That's sort of the goal, though, you know? Like, to be able to talk to anyone and everyone. And, and I've had that sort of range of people on here. I've had um, episode seven, I think, was the number. We had some some PhD candidates and a PhD who do biomedical research into, like, cancer, cancer research, how the cells work. Like, actually, and in, in they're trying to, like, figure out how to turn – they're called T cells um, in the immune system, how to turn them on and off when mm-hmm. cancer shuts them down. So cancer basically convinces your body that 
it's not a bad cell and then your body kind of attacks itself, if that makes sense. And so they have to turn those T cells on and off depending on the cancer. Um, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it. You should go, whoever's <laughs> listening and thinks that I'm going crazy, you should listen to that episode instead because they explain <laughs> it better. But I've had people like that on and then I have some, like an actor like yourself where I'll have like uh, another episode that's not actually out yet. But yesterday I recorded an episode with two DC United players. Yeah. Um, I had a professional rugby player on. I had a guy a seminarian which is they're basically studying to be a priest so theology and philosophy i had one i had him on um all sorts of people from every walk of life it's like to be able to talk to everybody that's that's sort of the goal that's what rogan does all the time and that's why i enjoy it so much so yeah that would be the thing if i was able to make it on onto his podcast that would probably be the uh your version or my version of the hot wings right <laughs> um but yeah, I remember, I remember the Shaq one because they do that on inside the NBA all the time. I don't know if you watch that. Hmm. Uh, it's like the NBA halftime show on TNT. It's okay. uh, Shaq, Charles Barkley, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, and Ernie Johnson. And they oh, just mess dang. with – Chuck and Shaq just mess with each other all the time. <laughs> there's a blooper of um, – so there's a big screen like in the back of the studio where they do like the analysis. And Kenny always goes to the back. And sometimes Shaq will try and race him. Oh. it's like it's a sizable distance it's probably like 15 20 yards uh-huh. and the screen is huge it's like the whole wall yeah and so it was during <laughs> it was during the christmas one two or three years ago Shaq's size 22 foot gets caught on a cord and he trips in the middle of a live broadcast and they oh. just laugh it's that show is walking comedy man like and they just improv everything it's like i'm sure the set on that is obviously it's a little bit different from a film sort of standpoint because it's live Mm -hmm. but those camera guys probably get a kick out of every single show that they do because every single show there's something just so dumb that happens like (laughs) all the time like he was walking back and they pushed a big christmas tree on him just like all sorts of stuff yeah (laughs) that's hilarious have you ever thought about going into sort of a, a live a more live role like that i had uh i had a guy on that was a production guy for NBC 29. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing like a live interview or anything like that. That'd be cool. Theater though. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind doing theater, but as of right now, I've been talking to a bunch of guys about it. And I was like, I don't want to do theater right now. It's just, um, I'm a very uh, efficient person. And mm-hmm. I feel like um, theater is great. You know, you might have somebody in there who is a big time director or whatever, and they see you in a play or whatever, and you might get lucky. However, I don't want to rely on that chance and waste time with theater productions when I could be doing film, when I could mm-hmm. be doing things to get for my reel. So it's nothing against theater and it's nothing against that um, part of the acting industry. I'm just trying to think of it in terms of, okay, this is how much time that I have in a day or a week or a month or whatever it is. And if I spend half of it doing theater or if I spend the whole thing doing theater and I don't get anything from it, it's going to be hard because I can't put that on my reel, right? It's not a yeah. production. Someone can record it and I can, you know, they can show that I'm acting, but how much does that really count? Yeah. So for me, um, I wouldn't mind doing interviews or live stuff. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, but, you know, doing theater and stuff like that, I'm going to, unless I absolutely have to, or if it's, you know, a pay, a really pay, a good paid gig or something, um, I'm sticking to just film because I need to focus on just expediting mm-hmm. as much, just trying to get there as fast as I can. You know, everybody says, enjoy the journey destination is the prize kind of thing which i am 
but you know i you know i want to get to where i want to go and i want to do it the most efficient way possible you know what i'm saying yeah definitely is there a lot of crossover between theater and, and film yes cool. yes in terms of that what do you mean like actors or like like actors actors but also like the production people and, and like the makeup people and all that is like is there a lot of back and forth and then kind of we'll say like the top dogs on and in both sort of just stay in their respective ones and then everybody in between just kind of like goes back and forth um i'm not sure i think the top dogs definitely go back and forth as well i'm not sure i can't verify that but i would assume they go back and forth but the people that i've met i mean the guy that i the, the co-actor for that film that i just did mm-hmm. he was a big theater guy this was his first film mm. right he's a big time theater person you can tell by his expressions the way that he you can tell when there's a theater guy in an acting film mm-hmm. or just in general you can tell when there's an acting a pure theater guy versus you know pure film person mm-hmm. theaters have a lot more theater people have a lot more emotion they can express a lot more because you know they have to do their production in front of people live and if they make mm-hmm. a mistake it's in front of you. There's no, oh, cut it, let's redo it. It's yeah. right there. So um, I do respect it because it does take a bit of um, courage and, you know, grit in order to sit there and do that. You got to memorize the character's lines. You got to not mess up and you got to be an emotion. You, know, you have that emotional uh, aside to it. But yeah, they definitely transcend between both. I've seen a lot of theaters do film and people who are just doing straight film. So yeah, definitely goes both ways for sure. Is the like the the theater guy that you mentioned besides the emotion part is it kind of is there a difference when you're working with them as far as like um different interpretations i guess you could say of of the script or the scene like is there the theater guys interpret seem to interpret scenes in this way versus the film guys or is there kind of like depends on the actor or actors Um. In my experience, especially with the, like the most recent one, um, I would say from the theater point, he gets he tries to extract as much as he can about the character so he can become the character. Not saying I don't do that, but like, um, you know, we had rehearsals and, you know, we were going through our lines, stuff like that. I thought I had it down. I was like, I feel good. I'm ready to go. But he was trying to extract more data. Okay, so what about, how does he feel during this part? When, he's, when he says this line, how does he feel there? Da, 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 da. He was very... Uh, I would say meticulous on how the character should feel. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I, I didn't need that. Again, I'm not trying to be equal. I just, I was like, I got the lines. I'm good. And I'm just going to work on the emotional part. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't need to, unless I was confused about something, I don't really ask those questions because I, 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 I just need to work on it. Let me just, let me just rehearse. Let me just train and I'll get yeah. it. That's kind of how I work with, you know, sports. You don't, you ask questions and you're like, how do I do that one move or, where should I be in this position? And then you work on it. You just, that's, that's kind of the mentality that I have. You know, you mm-hmm. get the advice and then you just go work on it. But he was very meticulous on um, extracting as much information for that character so he can portray it, which I respect. It was cool. Mm-hmm. How much of that is you think directors wanting a scene done a, a certain way versus a director sort of say giving uh, guidelines maybe? Like you have a little bit more leeway to interpret how you want have you had different directors be different ends of the spectrum on that i've seen it okay so like for the walking dead um the directors and the assistant directors the ad's um some of them because they they change directors sometimes for some of the episodes 
Um, some of them are a lot more chill, and that's what I've experienced. Like the director I just had, very chill. The director mm-hmm. I had in uh, Virginia, that last one I did, very, very chill, right? Mm-hmm. They were just like, just go with it. If they saw something they didn't like, they're like, oh, do this a little bit more, do this a little bit more, and then you do it. But sometimes if you, um, you'll get a director who's very adamant on getting it right, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, just from just from an observer's view, because I wasn't the actors or the actresses, but, um, you know, depending on, because I don't know, they get up really early, they're working all day, sometimes their emotions get to them, they're doing a scene and they get mad at the actors or the actresses, oh, you're not doing it right, let's just take a break, we have 10 minutes before lunch, they get frustrated. It gets a little hectic sometimes, especially on a big production like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've noticed, at least in the smaller films for right now, everyone seems to be chill. Oh, go with it how you feel. Oh, that was great. I love the way you did that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Well, could you do a little bit more of this for the character? So um, for the most part, it seems the smaller directors and stuff like that, they're like, you know, yeah, bring the character to life, see what you got, you know, and uh, we'll tweak it when we need to. So Yeah. Yeah, they're not under, under a lot of stress. You don't get a lot of hostility, I guess, towards you. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, the directors and stuff, they're on a schedule and stuff like that, especially like the Walking Dead. They're on a schedule. They got, you know, things to meet and stuff like that. It's a little bit more fast paced and uh, it's a lot of uh, like high energy and stuff. Yeah, so. they got deadlines and episode release dates and, and all yep. sorts. Absolutely. So what, uh, what's the next six like six months to a year and then the next like three to five years look like for you? What's, what's the future hold for you? Uh, for me, it's just to continue to do my daily grind, you know, work out, uh, send in auditions, grab as many parts as I can. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to this time next year, either, you know, I'm either, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in SAG that fast. I want to at least have, five or six things productions done right mm-hmm. i can get some more stuff in my reel and push towards it but if it doesn't happen and it takes longer i want to at least for the next three to five years um have the money to continue to do what i'm doing now for that period of time instead of having if i have to go back to work i'll do it it's not a big deal but i'm trying to avoid as much as i can because i have so mm-hmm. much freedom right now which is an advantage for me because when people are like when are you available anytime you need me when Sunday at three o'clock, I'll be there. Right. Yeah. So having that advantage really helps me with the opportunities. And uh, that's what I'm going to try to maintain for the next few years. If I get paid gigs, right. They can help me mitigate some of the expenses for that month or whatever it is. And it will help me do this even longer. So mm-hmm. for the next three to five years, um, I'm just going to try to push as much as I can. If I get, if I get a break, that'd be great. You know, Hey, I, I would enjoy it. Um, but I don't expect anything to happen like that. I expect mm-hmm. to be grinding as much as I can and kind of going about it the traditional way. Get the agent, get the agency, go into SAG, and then maybe make my way towards a big movie or a big show or whatever. There so, you go. And you also got your film in Florida, potentially? Potentially, yeah. They, they say they like me. I, I passed the first audition. The second one, they said I was really good. Um, that would be great. That's a, actually a paid gig. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a superpower, superpower uh, martial arts film. So they're, they're when, uh, when should you hear back from them, if you got it or not? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because they're, they told me, or at least on the site, it's supposed to be shooting in March, right? They're doing mm-hmm. the auditions now. So maybe they're getting more people. Maybe they're trying to figure out the rest of the cast, right? So um, if I don't hear back from them within like a week or so, I might send them, you know, hey, when should I hear back from you or da da da, whatever it is. But for the most part, I kind of just let them do their own thing. You know what I'm saying? They got a, sure. a lot of things going on. Some of the people that will message me for an audition, they'll leave in the like message 
Don't ask me any questions. I have over a thousand submissions. I won't be able to get to your question. Send the yeah. audition and then we'll go from there. So it's like, it's like all right, fair to, enough. Yeah. They have a lot to figure out. So um, we'll see how it goes. I'm very excited if I do get it. Also with the people I just worked with, um, he's working on a senior, his senior thesis film. And he said he will reach out to me for an audition for that. You know what I'm saying? That's so awesome. That would be as well. That would be interesting as well. So. Awesome. Well, wish you the best of luck with, with both of those. Uh, hopefully they both go in your favor. Uh, where can we, where can everybody find your, your YouTube channels? Uh, my YouTube channels is not important because I mean, it's a gaming channel. No, I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to watch it, it's called uh, the night owl. Um, it's, it's exactly spelled how it sounds. And uh, I do a bunch of gaming channels and stuff like that. My personal YouTube channel is where I put my acting blogs at. So that's mm -hmm. Jeremiah space brandon and then uh i'm mostly active on instagram so j brandon so j y my last name 19 and you can find me stuff like that but yeah yeah, yeah we'll put uh, all those links in the description go go give him a sub on his, both his youtube channels support him on his journey um to becoming <laughs> to becoming an actor hopefully we'll see you on on the big screen one day but we've yeah. done uh, we've done an hour and a half so i think it's a good place to close it out it's been good talking to you man yeah, yeah, I appreciate it for it. All right, bye everybody.